Hello, this is Aaron Sims. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, this is um, another episode of my, my weekly podcast, and today I thought I would talk about the Nashville statement that you may have heard about in the last uh, few days or so. Um, if you haven't heard, it's, a, it's this statement that was formulated by what's called the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and it's been signed on to by a number of Christian leaders and lay people mostly from an American evangelical uh, background, so Southern Baptist and, and uh, things like that. But the focus on the statement is on human sexuality and the, the biblical teaching that God created man and woman to become one flesh. And that's in polls from things like Genesis 1, uh, verse 27, uh, chapter 2, verse 24, chapter 5, verse 2, Matthew 19, verse 4 and following, and then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 and following. And I encourage you to uh, read the statement for yourself rather than just relying on media reports about it because the the media reports have tended to mischaracterize the statement. Um, But if you go to my my blog, uh, there's an article about it that you can can find the link to the statement too. And it's not that long. It's only 14 uh, short articles. And so you can whip through it pretty fast. And there's a lot of controversy about the statement, and it's kind of confusing to me in in some ways because what the Nashville statement is expressing is basically just Orthodox Christian teaching. Um, And then other church bodies have released similar statements and hold similar teachings. So the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, for instance, has released a number of uh, documents related to human sexuality and man and woman and the relationship there, um, the Catholic Church in their catechism express the similar views. So it's not, it's not like unexpected that Christians would confess Christian belief. <laughs> so, um, and then there's actually a strong gospel message in the statement too, particularly in articles eight, nine, 12, and 14, that Christ came to save all people and all people are sinners in need of, of Christ. And that we receive salvation freely on account of God's grace. So that's a, that's a big gospel uh, grace message that those who are opposing the statement, I think, kind of miss. But if I were to summarize the statement, I, I would say it upholds the biblical truth that God created man and woman to join together in marriage as one flesh, and that he intends for the sanctity of this union to be safeguarded. And this granted, is an unpopular truth in our world today, particularly in the United States and in Western Europe and in the political climate we're living in right now. Um, Yet the church is called not to align itself with the opinions of society, but instead to uphold God's truth and proclaim it in love. And indeed, God's word reveals that we're all sinners, all of us. And if we examine ourselves according to to his standards, expressed in the Ten Commandments, we see that we all fall short of the glory of God, as Paul says in Romans 3.23. And yet, even though we've fallen short, God saves us from this condemnation since we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God sent to be an atoning sacrifice through faith in his blood, as Paul also says in Romans 3. And so the point that many people miss is that we're all sinners. Christians are sinners too. I'm a sinner we're all subject to the same temptations as everyone else. Christians often fall into sin, and we're not as God intends for us to be. And yet, God saves us from this sin 
by his grace through faith in Christ and then calls us to walk as the people he's rebirthed us into. And uh, I always like Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 in this area. It's a great um, great summary of justification in verses 8 and 9 and then sanctification in verse 10. God saves us and then we're no longer the way we used to be but he continually conforms us to the image of Christ so that we can walk in the paths that he's laid before us. And of course, in this life, until Christ returns for the resurrection, we're still sinners. We still continue to stumble. We fall from this calling. And yet God's grace is always there and he's always forgiving uh, for the sake of Christ. And so in this context, the Nashville statement, like many others, is just an attempt clarify the teaching of the church on one topic, in this case, that of human sexuality. And if you read the news reports, it's painted as hate or, um, or similar terms such as those. But the, the point is that those who agree with the statement don't hate those who disagree. Instead, it means that the church loves humanity, humanity enough to keep witnessing to God's word in spite of opposition. And the church does this so that all people might be led to the gospel of Christ, which forgives and heals and restores. And I'll close by reading Paul's words to Titus, and I think it's helpful to keep in mind, um, because it really gets to the point that the gospel was meant for all people. And he says, For we were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love toward mankind appeared, not by works of righteousness which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the gospel. That is the message for all people. That's what the church is called to proclaim. And as it does it, It goes out armed with God's word of law as well to show people that the truth of what Paul says in Romans, that we are all fallen short and that we need God's grace that he gives us freely for the sake of Christ.